father's lightsaber. What? Lightsabers, precious? Hello, and welcome to What's Lightsabers Precious? The Lord of the Rings and Star Wars Encyclopodcast, where we waste time on fictional wikis. I am Ryan. And I am Joanna. It's a beautiful day to talk about Star Wars and Lord of the Rings. It's kind of gross out, isn't it? Okay, but they don't know that. Okay. You know where they're listening. Maybe it's beautiful where they are. I hope it's beautiful where you are. It's wretched here, where the sun never shines in suburban Detroit. But mm-hmm. Ryan informed me earlier that he is okay with the abstract concept of daughters. Yep, I'm drinking out of a mug right now uh, that says, and I quote, A daughter makes the day brighter and the heart warmer. Well, my mom got it for me. And I'm drinking out of it. And it does not make me a daughter. It makes me a daughter appreciator. He appreciates the abstract concept of, of having a daughter. A, a female child is a terrible thing to waste. And it makes the day brighter. So hopefully where you are, you have a daughter just illuminating your room. And if you what, don't... With their golden presence. If you don't get one, get a daughter. Through legal means, please. Through legal means, but get a daughter. So what's new, Joanna? Well, um, I'm now an official card-carrying member of the Tolkien Society. Let me see your card. Uh, Okay, I don't have it yet. They're going to send it to me, I assume. Actually, they didn't really say anything about a membership card, but I, like, assume there's going to be one. Because what kind of club doesn't have a membership card? So what, what do you get as a starting member? Okay, so my understanding is I get... Six issues of their newsletter, because it comes out every other month. Okay. And then I get one copy of their academic journal, which they were selling, like, hardcore in the welcome email they gave me. They're talking about, it's like, it's glossy, it's so beautiful, it's got all these pictures, all these original illustrations, and they're just gorgeous. So these illustrations better knock my socks off, is all I can say. Yeah, sounds cool. And you get a special Christmas card. All right. And you get access to a secret part of their website, which I was not aware of. I haven't gone there yet because I haven't had time. Numbers only. But I know. I don't know what secrets are going to be in there. Maybe I'll find out that J.R.R. Tolkien has actually been resurrected as a lich, and that's why he's still their president. Maybe he's an AI. Maybe the Christmas cards he writes are AI-generated letters from Father Christmas. Oh, well, I can only hope they're as good as the AI-generated Christmas songs that came out a couple years ago. Yeah. And they also gave me an interactive map of local smiles. That's not smile, S-M-I-L-E. That's smile, S-M-I-A-L, which is the word for hobbit hole. Oh. Hobbit Hole is a smile. And so their local chapters are called Smiles. I obviously can't participate in any of their big events because I'm not in the UK. But there is a smile in Ann Arbor, Michigan, which is Ooh. where I happen to work. Maybe I'll go check it out. I don't think it's a maybe. I think you have to for podcast purposes. I don't know how they're... Because I'm quite... I love Tolkien and Middle Earth, but I'm quite irreverent about it. And I worry that I'm going to go there and they're going to be mad at me for like not respecting well, I think you can Professor Tolkien in. and for like... Making Christopher Tolkien seem like this this weird, like, overgrown man-child with daddy issues. Daddy's and books. Daddy's books, the daddy shape. I don't know how funny they would find that. Well, you don't have to say that stuff. You just go observe and take notes and report back to our listeners because I'm sure they're desperate to hear how it goes. Yeah, I'm kind of curious myself. Star Wars news. My mom listened to our last episode. Yeah. And she had a very important question for me. Okay. You want to buy me? She wanted to know why do they call him Grandma. Grandma Tarkin? So the entire episode we were saying (laughs) Grand Moff Tarkin. Yeah. Grand M-O-F-F Moff. But my mom went through the whole episode thinking that his name was Grandma Tarkin. She should have turned on the subtitles. 
Yeah, the subtitles. Our subtitled podcast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in fairness, we do go very, very fast. And it, it might be a bit too fast for my poor mom. But yeah, so I had her watch A New Hope with me. Yeah. Just so I could demonstrate that his name is not Grandma Tarkin. Mm-hmm. But you know what? They don't even say Grand Moff in A New Hope. Leia calls him Governor Tarkin. Why? I think it's, well, he, Grand Moff is a type of governor, but I think it's also kind of like a slam, you know, because it's like, she's not going to use his imperial title. That's something that the emperor made up specifically for Grand Moff Tarkin. Right. And so we call him governor. It's like kind of bringing him down a peg and mm. saying, you're, you're just, you're just a, a civil servant. Blech. I see. I'm going to throw a water balloon at you like I did as a kid. I like that theory. I like that theory better than just like George Lucas hadn't invented the term Grand Moff yet. Yeah. I don't know when that term came around. That's a good question. We should look it up. Okay. But my mom really liked our episode about Grandma Tarkin. Oh, good. Yeah. Do you have any Star Wars news? No. Okay. Well, then we can just get right into it, Ryan, because at long last, it's time for Men Part 2. I almost forgot. Who are these men people? It's been such a long time. Well, before I delve into that, can we get a music cue? Like... Like, just put a really manly song in here. Men, 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 It's great to be with men. Men, men, men. It's a ship all filled with men. So batten down the ladies' room. There's no one here but men. I don't know what the song was since Ryan did it in post, but I hope you all enjoyed that. (laughs) Now, this episode is kind of a landmark because we spent the entirety of the first 15 episodes of the show on pre-first age and first age stuff. But today, we're moving into the second age, the age of Numenor! All right. And also, incidentally, the age when Isildur came into possession of the One Ring of Sauron, got killed, fell into a river, and dropped the ring for Gollum to find 2,000 years later. The War of the Rings. Yes, yes. Okay. And, well, and it's a prologue to that. It's a prologue to that well, prologue. That, okay. Yeah. That, that's in the Second Age, isn't it? It is. That whole bit? It is in the Second Age. Okay. Yes, yes sir. But that's a ways away yet, that whole part. So before we talk about Isildur, we need to talk about his people, the Numenorians, and the island where they lived, Numenor. Numa Numa. Numa Numa, nay. So, we need to talk about what is Numenor. And you may vaguely remember that Aragorn is described as having the blood of Numenor in his veins. He is. But the Peter Jackson movies don't really explain what that means, right? They don't have time. They don't have time. So, let me tell you, Numenor was an island. And it was created and gifted to the men who fought against Morgoth in the War of Wrath. Okay. So basically, after the Valar finally dragged their asses over to Middle-earth and wiped Morgoth and his forces off the map and launched Morgoth into space, right? it was decided that the men who fought alongside the elves should be rewarded for their loyalty and bravery. Because, after all, these men had basically woken up halfway through a fight they knew nothing about and yeah. didn't even start, and they still agreed to help with the fighting. See, so, as a reward, you are now island boys. Island boy. What you doing in your white man's, um, toy? Okay, leave it. (laughs) Leave it. Another reason the men were given a special island to live on may have been that a lot of their homelands had been destroyed. And I don't just mean the villages had been burned and the earth had been salted. I mean the land itself literally sank into the sea. Island boy, your previous land was destroyed. There you go. Woohoo, island boy. I'm out. There's not much after that. That's much better. Well, okay. that's basically the whole song. Yeah. As the Encyclopedia of Arta puts it, 
In the tumult of the war, Beleriand and the lands to the north were destroyed and sank beneath the sea, and the shape of Middle-earth changed. Mm, okay. So remember a long time ago when I told you that the coast of Middle-earth in the Third Age is like hundreds of miles inland from where it was during the First Age? Yeah. That's why. They why? literally fought so hard that they made the land sink into the sea. How'd that work? Magic, probably. See, what I'm picturing is like too many guys on there. It wasn't... Just too many guys. Like that video of the house party where the floor collapses because everyone's jumping around? Yeah, it was exactly like that. Yeah. The Valor was like, oh my god, that's... Like, they hadn't been over there, you know, before. Since men had been born. They're like, this is too many guys. This is, like, way too many guys. Look, the land is sinking because it's just all these guys. Too many guys. Too many guys. So the Valar created this star-shaped island off of what was now the western coast of Middle-earth. And in the year 32 of the Second Age, the men who had been faithful to the Elvish forces in the War of Wrath were led to this island by their leader, Elros. We actually talked about Elros before, but it was like a hot minute Is ago. Like Elrond's relative? Yeah, yeah, you can kind of tell based on the name yep, that he's related to Elrond. He's Elrond's brother. And in Spanish, it means the rose. The rose? Really? No. Oh, okay, never mind. L. <laughs> well, you know Spanish and I don't, so I thought you were being serious. La Rosa. La Rosa. Both Elros and Elrond were half-elven. Well, three-quarter elven, actually. Both were given the choice of living as men or living as elves. And whereas Elrond chose to live as an elf, Elros was fonder of the mannish side of his heritage, so he chose to live as a man. And as one of the sons of Arendil, he was... <laughs> Kind of a big deal. And he had a good deal of power. So once he and the other men arrived in Numenor, Elros became the first king. Though it was all men living there, there were some cultural and linguistic divisions. For example, on the northwest part of Numenor, the people were mostly descendants of the House of Bayor. And the people of the House of Bayor had abandoned their native tongue in favor of Sindarin, like, really early on. So people in the northwest part of Numenor mostly spoke an offshoot of Sindarin. Mm. People elsewhere on Numenor, however, were mostly descended from the house of Hador, and they spoke a language called Adunaic. You may remember from last week, though, that they were speaking Adunaic with a Beorian accent, whatever that means. A mannish voice. Yes, so there was like a lot of cultural exchange, even between these somewhat distinct populations. Now, let's talk about Adunaic for a second. Adunaic is the ancestor of Westron, which was the common tongue in Middle-earth during the Third Age. Okay. Right? So the, the hobbits in Lord of the Rings would have been speaking Westron, and so would the men for the most part. So this is equivalent of, like, Old English. Kind of, yeah. Elves also spoke it. Not sure if it was just, like, the really educated elves. I think it was all or most of them. So, yeah. So this language from Numenor had a huge impact in all the peoples of later Middle-earth history. But one thing I want to note, though is that Adenaic and, by extension, Westron sound kind of weird. You mean they don't sound like English? They don't sound like English, and they also don't sound like Elvish. If anything, they kind of remind me of, like, maybe ancient Near Eastern languages? Like oh. Sumerian or something? So, like, in Lord of the Rings, they're just translating everything into English? We used to expect that, that Frodo and friends are sounding like, you know, speaking Arabic or something? It's not really Arabic. It's like, I don't know how to describe it. Let me give you some examples. Okay. So in Lord of the Rings, the name of Frodo's gardener and best friend is Samwise Gamgee, right? Classic Hobbit right. name. But that's an anglicization of Sam's actual name, which is Ban Galpsi. Ban Galpsi? Yeah, short for Banazir Galbasi. 
Ban Azir Galbasi. Hard to think of Sam as being called Ban Azir. It sounds like Ban Azir sounds like some so serious. Yeah, he sounds like a, a visor of a sultan or something. Yeah, right. And meanwhile, Bilbo's name in Westron was actually Bilba. But Tolkien's explanation is he had to change it because a uh, is normally a feminine ending in modern Western mm. languages, whereas it was a masculine ending in Westron. A couple others. Mariodak Brandybuck was actually Kalimak Brandagamba. Brandagamba. Or Kali for short. Kali meaning merry or joyful. Oh, wow. Peregrine Took was actually Razanur Took or Razar for short. And Razar means small apple. Whoa. Yeah. But he gave them the most, like, Englishy, like, folksy names. I think he did that to evoke the culture Okay. Of the Shire, which was supposed to be very similar to the pastoral culture of England in centuries past. Huh, okay. I mean, plus he's also English, so to him, those sound like just perfectly charming. Yeah, they're charming nice, little names. normal, but, down-to-earth names. But their actual names... Are way more mythic and See, I'm, I'm not imagining these guys living in hobbit holes. Imagine them living among, like, the sand dunes. Razanutuk? Like, like, taming the sandworms. Well, I mean, and, yeah, Brandagamba. Yeah. And Ma- Shihalud. Yeah, Maudib. Maudib. Now, the surname Baggins was actually Labingi. Labingi. Yeah. Is that blowing your mind at all? I think Labingi. I've been I think I've been to that Mediterranean restaurant before. Labingi. Yeah, Labingi. <laughs> For those of you who are in Metro Detroit, we've got a lot of Mediterranean restaurants and they're all like La Shish, Laziz, La Marsa, they're all law something. Yeah. So maybe there's a Labingi somewhere. Labingi. Labingi. Anyway, that's Kind of a digression, but I think it's interesting. That's wild, okay. So when Elros became the first king of Numenor, he took a Quenya elvish name, Tar Minyatur, with the Tar part meaning king in Elvish. And the first 17 kings of Numenor also had Quenya names beginning in Tar. Such was the influence of Elvish culture, right? Okay. However, from the 18th king onward, they started using Adunaic names, which began in R. R. Belzegar, R. Abatarek, etc. So why did it change? Well, they just cut the T off. It was like, no big deal, right? Yeah, but if and you then, listen like, to the difference between Miniatur and Abatarek... It's quite a big difference in terms of phonology. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they're two totally different languages. They're moving away from, from Quenya, moving away from Elfish language. Yeah, yeah. The answer is they essentially had a good old-fashioned culture war. Yeah. Right? So the Numenorians initially were close with the elves of Tol Erasea, mm-hmm. which you might remember was an island off the eastern coast of Valinor. And the elves of Tol Erasea would come visit the Numenorians all the time and teach them things and etc., etc., but the Numenorians were not allowed to visit their elf friends in Valinor. Oh, no. In fact, they weren't allowed to go anywhere near Valinor as a mortal people. The Undying Lands were forbidden to them. So they go over there, knock on the door, and like, can the elves come out and play? Their mom would come to the door and be like, sorry, they're busy with things right now. Also, get off our lawn. My husband just finished resodding it. Can he play later? No. He's studying for the SAT. The Cinderin Aptitude Test. The Cinderin Aptitude Test. You yes, can't come to the door. He's studying for that. I'm sorry, he's busy. Why don't you go back to your side of town? But I wanna go play stickball with me. Hang out with your own people. That's a that's a barbaric game. Alright, fine, see you. I'm gonna make my own language. Bye! So they did. The elves 
feared, basically, that once the men saw this magical land where no one ever died, they become envious and corrupted. And by the third millennium of the Second Age, the Numenorians started to get pissed off about this. Well, they're not... It's, like, not fair, I, right? They always get to come here, but we don't get to go there? What? But I feel like they're not wrong, having watched and, and read The Lord of the Rings. The hearts of men are easily the hearts corrupted. hearts of men are easily swayed by power. And as, as later this story will demonstrate. Yeah. Like, the elves really were right on the money with this. It, it seems racist, but it's like they're these, these kids that don't make good decisions. No. They're definitely from the wrong side of the tracks. Impulsive. They're impulsive. They have very little impulse control. Mm-hmm. Basically, the Numenorians got annoyed and they started to rebel against the influence of Elvish culture. So they started taking Adunaic names and the 20th king of Numenor, Ar Adunakor, actually banned the speaking of Quenya. Whoa. Yeah. And Numenor became so hostile toward the elves that even the elves of Tol Erisea only visited in secret. And the Numenorians were all like, this is our country. You live in our country. You're going to speak our language. Numenor pride. I ain't dialing too for Adnaic. We say Merry Christmas here. We don't say no Happy Midsummer. That's a bunch of poppycock. We don't even say tarnation no more because it sounds like Elvish. We say our nation. Our nation. It's our, it's nation. our nation. So, These colors don't run. The 23rd king of Numenor, Ar Gimelzor, actually started openly persecuting men who kept to the old Elvish traditions and he punished anyone who welcomed boats from Tolarasea because he thought all the elves were just spies for the Valar. Paranoid. Yeah. Well, you know, they're all terrorists. Yeah. What are you yeah. going to do? That's, that's profiling. That's pro. Yeah, that is profiling. Um, although, in fairness, I guess men kind of got profiled first. Yeah. You guys are all so easily corrupted. You know, if we let you into this country, you're just going to overrun things. And and so a lot of the faithful in Numenor, as they were called, left the island and moved back to Middle Earth. <laughs> that ended up being a huge blessing for them. But we'll get to that in a minute. Okay. So after our Gimelzor died, his son actually tried really hard to turn things around. And I kind of compare our Gimelzor's son to Tutankhamun because you know how Tutankhamun's dad, Akhenaten, was like this really iconoclastic guy who abandoned traditional Egyptian polytheism and he changed the traditional Egyptian art style. And mm-hmm. I don't know like how many how common knowledge Akhenaten is, but that's what he did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> the educated listeners of our podcast would be nodding and stroking their chins while they while they hold their pinky up and saying, hmm, yes, I know all about my Egyptology. I remember that from my days at Ivy League College I went to. I mean, if you were, no, if you were alive, if you were a child. If you were alive during the Egyptian period, you would know all about it. <laughs> child in the early 2000s watching history channel because you were raised by the tv like i was and you turned on the history channel you had like a 30 percent chance of it being something about egyptology it was like a big and then a 30 percent chance yeah, of it being like hitler hitler's secret bunker and then a 30 percent chance of it being like civil war stuff. civil war stuff I nowadays guess. you spin the wheel and it's like 50 percent ancient aliens which we did not have at the time which I, it would have made my high school experience so much better if we yeah. had ancient aliens back then, but we didn't. We had a lot of stuff about Egyptology. Yep, I remember that. Uh, and so, 
Akhenaten did that, and then Tut became king, and he was like, uh, yeah, no, we're gonna go back to the way things used to be done. That's kind of what this king did, too. So his name was Tar Palantir, which means Tar the Farsighted. Palantir, that's a that's an object. Yeah, because it sees far. It's a far-seeing stone. Oh, okay. So that's what he's trying to evoke with his name. And you notice how he went with an elvish name instead of an Adenaic one, right? I noticed, yeah. So he tried to revive their traditional ways. For example, he started tending to this special white tree. They had Numenor, which was mm-hmm. called Nimloth. And Nimloth, the white tree, had been a gift from the elves of Tolrasea, which means for quite a while now, previous kings have been like, screw that tree! I hate that tree! We don't need no stinking elvish tree! We don't need no tree from no pointy ears! Ugh. So, but Tar Palantir had this premonition that if Nimloth died, the line of Numenorean kings would be broken. So he actually started taking care of it again. So things were looking up in Numenor until Tar Palantir died. Is it, was, did he die as a young man, like Tutankhamun? Oh no, oh my god, no. They, these kings lived like so long. They lived like 200 years. Oh, they were super, wow. super long lived. Um, but Tar Palantir's daughter, Tar Muriel, initially took over as queen. But... She wasn't queen for very long because this total dickbag called our Farazon. He's a dickbag. We can't say dickbag. I've said dick like so many times in this podcast, Ryan. It's fine. I haven't edited any of them out. Everybody's used to it now. So this dickbag, this bag of dicks. I'm so sorry. Our I'm Farazon, so sorry. Don't, Joanna. dick of all dicks. I apologize. This Russian nesting doll of dicks. Stop. Dicks inside of dicks. Our Farazon, who was to be the final king of Numenor, usurped Tarmiriel's power by forcing her to marry him. What a dick. And then he kind of like took over. I told you. So her husband started running the show. So the culture war was back on, baby. Whenever there's a culture war, there are certain personages who thrive off of stirring the poop, so to speak. Poop stirrers, we call them. We call them Twitter users nowadays. <laughs> yeah, that's true. This guy totally would have been all over Twitter. Uh, in the case of the later days of Numenor, the chief poop stirrer was this guy called Anatar, the Lord of Gifts. Giving presents to everybody. Yeah. It sounds really awesome, right? Yeah. And everyone loves gifts. So for like 600 years, Anatar had been knocking about, giving presents to the elves, tutoring the elves, teaching them various ancient secrets. Now, rather suspiciously, all these ancient secrets were things that only a god could know. Hmm. One god in particular, Auli the Smith. Weird. So how did this Anatar, Lord of Gifts, know all of Auli's secrets? Want to take a guess? He is Owly. No. Oh, that'd be cool. He's Sauron. Oh, no. <laughs> Remember how Sauron yeah. was Owly's pupil? Yeah, a little, like, that was my second choice. Yeah, so Anatar was Sauron in disguise. Yikes. He finally shook off the shame of getting his ass kicked by a talking dog and decided to fill the power vacuum left by Morgoth. And this time he was being a little sneaky about it. He's like, the whole werewolf thing didn't really work out. It was a little bit conspicuous being a werewolf and then that turned into a vampire. The turn, this, that, whatever. I'm just going to show up as this really handsome guy called Anatar. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to wield some soft power. He was teaching him all kinds of neat secrets. But while he was doing this, he was secretly forging a ring. A master ring. The one ring to rule them all. I'll have to definitely quiet that up. The point of this ring, yeah, I know. The point of this ring is that it was linked to all the other rings of power, so it would give him full access to the thoughts of the three elvish ring bearers, right? The three of the elves had rings of power. Galadriel, Elrond, and Círdan the shipwright. And not only that, Mm. but it would allow Sauron to control their hearts and minds and conquer the elves from within. Yikes. A foolproof plan. Sounds pretty good to me, yeah. Well, except the elves found out what he was doing and they just like took their rings off. 
Oh, yeah, I guess it'd be easy. Yeah, they just like, took them all. Oh, I'm not going to wear this. <laughs> and Sauron was like, curse those elves and their supernatural cunning! <laughs> I and must give them something they can't take off. Which was an army that destroyed their land of Eregion and laid siege and killed a bunch of them. Put that on your finger and smoke it. <laughs> That's what you do. Yeah. So our Pharazon, the last king of Numenor, saw all this and perceived this Anatar as a threat to his own power. So he sent an army east. And it was like a huge armada. And when our Pharazon ships landed in Middle Earth, Sauron took one look at them and was like, oh shit. You're gonna have to bleep that. Joanna, you keep oh. you keep on using potty language on this podcast. I feel like we should bleep shit, but Dick is fine. Sauron surrendered, and he was carried back to Numenor. And at this point, our Pharazon must have thought he won the day. Yay. But the longer he spent with Anatar, Lord of Gifts. The more our Farazan started to like him. I like these presents I'm getting all the time. Yeah, our Farazan was like, man, Anatar's super charming. It's like my birthday every day. Yeah, he's like always bigging me up and he just seems to have a really good head on his shoulders. Like yeah, He gave me a new bike. He gave me a new bike? It had like, you know, a basket on it. He was great. He was great. Anatar's he was awesome. awesome. He gave me a bop it. He I think gave he's me my a best friend. It. I think he's like the coolest dude. And after Anatar had been in Numenor for a while, he approached our Farazan and he was like, yo, you men will have to die. All those elves in Valinor get to live forever and they won't even let you set foot in the place? Like, is that messed up or what? So unfair. And our Farazan was like, yeah, you're right. That's kind of messed up. And Anatar was like, what you should do, right, is you should gather a giant armada and attack Valinor. Yeah, and, yeah. And our Farazan was like, okay. Yeah. So our Farazan did. And Good. it was the stupidest decision men have ever made. I got stomped, right? Because, well, worse than that, when our Farazan arrived at Valinor, just as he went to take his first step onto the soil of the Undying Lands... The ocean around Numenor opened up and swallowed the island whole. Hold on. No way, really? <laughs> because it was forbidden. He wasn't supposed to be there. But every man, woman, and child on Numenor just got slurped up. An entire culture, right? 3,000 plus years of history just plummeted straight into the sea and everybody died. Oh my gosh. Everybody. So he was he the only guy left then? Like, like the the ships and the, the armada? That's actually like, hold on, let me look up what like happened to him. That's a good question. So he stepped from the land, he turned around behind him like, oh. He's like, oh, crap. Yeah, I done stepped in it this time. I done, you done done it again. Oh, beans. On. I, I made oh, my house shucks. disappear. Okay, so because no one from this quest, this armada ever returned, we actually don't know what happened to our Farazan. Ooh, okay. Mystery yeah. of Middle Earth. The mystery of Middle Earth. It could be like the lost tribes of Israel. It, well, it could be. Maybe could they, be. they all ended up in Japan. They're like secret men colonies. Maybe they went to the stars and had some wars. <gasps> That's a good point. They went to Corellia. Maybe they ended up in Corellia or Coruscant yes. or or maybe they all just died. Oh, they just died. Because they weren't supposed to be so, in the Blessed Realm. Hold on, though. Yes. You say that Aragorn is a descendant of these people. He is. How? They all oh, died. Oh, good question. So I say everyone died. Some very, very, very few Numenorians did manage to survive. But I'm going to talk about them next week. Ooh, cliffhanger. Next week. Because among them was Elendil, the father of Isildur. Okay, okay. Yes, yes. You I see mean, how it's all coming together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, Numenor. 
Oh no. Rip. Men are such yeah. Rip. Men are such screw ups. They're well, such GD screw ups. They just believe anybody. I mean, Anatar. Anybody who tells them what they want to hear, yes. I mean, and I feel like this is one of my big issues with humanity nowadays. Not to get on my soapbox, but one of the she things just that stepped on it. She pulled it out from under the table. No, she's one of the things on it. She's that standing on the soapbox <clears throat> right now. Um, yep. I'm on it now. She's on it. She's up really high. One of the things that annoys me most about my species is that people will believe anything if it's something they want to hear. That really annoys me. In my opinion, and I know this sounds sort of like something Tyrion Lannister said in the last season of Game of Thrones, but I came up with it independently. If it's something you want to hear, that is less reason to believe it, not more. Okay. The more you want something to be true, the more you should doubt it. Just saying. Yeah, speak your truth, Joanna. Speak yeah. your truth. And that is what our Farazon did not do. And um, a lot of men have not done. So look out for those an- uh, Anatars in your in your mist. Yeah. They're Sauron. They're Saurons. He's still out there. Also, werewolves and, you know, vampires might also be him. But if you meet a werewolf or a vampire, you have, like, more immediate you, problems. Yeah, yeah. You, got, you have more important things to worry about. Yeah. So that's what I have for this week, Men Part 2, finally. So there's going to be a Men Part 3 and then Men's History men is, uh, is done? Or? There's going to be a Men Part 3 and then, yeah, we're going to be getting into some other stuff. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. So what do you have for us this week, Ryan? Well, you're not concluding your Men's Saga, but I'm complete, completing a saga of mine. That's right. We're doing the Last Jedi Prince book today. Ooh, is it as good as five? Uh, no. Oh, sh- I mean, oh, snap. Oh, Joanna, stop swearing. Oh, crap. So it's called Prophets of the Dark Side, book six of the Jedi Prince series. This the Prophet of the Dark Side, the guy who squeezes balls? Uh, Kadan, yes. It is, and, and okay. And Jedgar, and the boys on Space Station Scardia. So do you remember what happened in the last book, to catch people up in case they forgot? Oh my god, like a lot of, th- okay. What's the most important bits you remember? Okay, so they made a robot Princess Leia, mm-hmm. and Trioculus captured the real Leia and he was like, okay, you have a choice. Like, you can marry me or I'm going to give you over to Jabba. And she was kind of like, I don't know what else I'm going to do. To Zorba, sorry. I'm going to give you over to Zorba. And she's like, all right, I'll marry you. But then in the middle of the wedding ceremony, it turned out that they swapped her out for Robot Leia and Robot Leia, like, laser trioculus in the chest, which was awesome. Yes. Everybody was at this amusement park. Yeah, that, yeah, they were at Hologram Fun World. Yeah. And they were going to get, Han and Leia were going to get married there, but she didn't have a birth certificate because it got blown See, up. See, that was like one of the stupidest details. I'm, I'm so so glad you remembered it. Because I thought it was really funny. It's like, yeah, I, I would have my birth certificate, my documentation, but my planet got blown up. Sorry. And somehow Han Solo had like literally all of his important documents and apparently like a fireproof box. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Carrying them around with him. So that was like the big thing that happened, was essentially, that? was that Trioculus died. Yeah. We didn't really get anywhere with Trioculus. Triclops. Triclops really? wasn't in the book. Ken was in it, but very Barely. little. Baji was unfortunately in it. Is like he couple... in this one? No, I'll, oh I'll tell you that right now. Thank no, you, God. Baji's last appearance was book five of the Jedi Prince. Thank series. you, Jesus, and all the saints. But this is the prophets of the dark side. And so, yeah, thanks for that recap. It mm-hmm. picks up immediately where the last book left off. Yeah. Which, uh, after the, re- the rebel gang, the heroes have escaped from the Moth ship. Yeah. And... Trioculus is bleeding out on the floor, having been shot through the chest by a robot copy of his true love. He's actually going to die this time, right? Well, yeah. So chapter one is called The Final Hour, so maybe that'll give you an idea of... Of his life. Of his life. And there's another really good Oscar-worthy interaction, his dying conversation with with Grand Moff Hissa. Do you want to read it with me? yes. Do I get to be Hissa again? Yep. So Trioculus on the floor, bleeding out, and... Hissa is is cradling him with his new robot arms. He's like he's like rocking him. He's like yep. shh, 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 shh. Hissa, those foul rebels have assassinated me. 
I'm dying. This is a black day for the Empire, my dark lordship. Shh, yes, sir. When I am gone, beware of Kadan. He will turn on you next, because you remain loyal to me until my death, rather than to him. He will use his authority of Supreme Prophet of the Dark Side <coughs> to oppose you with all his power and strength. Let him oppose us, then. We'll fight back, even if it means an all-out civil war for the Empire. That black-bearded dwarf has proven to be even more of a scoundrel than Zorba the Hutt. Zorba, yes. We dropped Zorba into the great pit of Carcoon, sent him plunging into the hungry mouth of a sarlacc. A fitting end for that slimy slug. Curse him! And curse Kadan and his prophets of the dark side! Yes, but the darkest curse of all. Fall upon Luke Skywalker. Promise me that. <clears throat> that you grand boss. That you will destroy that Jedi Knight once and for all! It shall be done. And then Triaculus exhaled, closing his three eyes for the last time. And Hissa gently stroked his face and, like, kissed him on his forehead and said, Good night, sweet prince. That was a real line from the book. So yeah, Triaculus is dead! Bye, Triaculus. Are you sure, though? Are oh, you he's sure, dead, because they, 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 they cremate his body. Yeah, boy. And they send his ashes into the four cardinal directions into space. Which I thought space was doesn't have cardinal directions! The, the book describes it sending out north, south, east, and west into space. There's no north, <laughs> south, there's no up and down, there's nothing in space! I don't know if they're still in, like, Tatooine airspace, but even then, that wouldn't make any sense. So... <laughs> what the hell is, is north that, is when it, you're in space? It's a traditional imperial funeral. They launch it all four sides of the ship so that his ashes can spread among the, the stars. Maybe they just mean to the front, to the back, to the left, to the right of the ship. Yeah. I don't know why they're calling them north, south, whatever. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. So Triclus is dead. So meanwhile, it cuts back to the spin base, and everyone's really worried because Triclops has been sleepwalking. And apparently they found he has some kind of communicator device implanted into one of his molars. What? Gross, yeah. why? Well, they're really worried that the Empire put it in there so he can uh, sleep communicate with them. That's what I would think, so they can still hear his prophecies. So they're watching him real closely. So while that's happening, another probe droid makes it to Yavin 4 because they're looking for Luke and everybody. Ken, who's on vacation from Dagobah Tech, he casually mentions that he designed something called an Omniprobe that would be the perfect defense against Imperial probe droids. I just didn't bring it up till now. Oh, okay, thanks, Ken. You're so useful. God, even when he is useful, he's useless. But he left the plans in the Lost City of the Jedi. Of so, course he did. So him and Luke gotta go back. Stupid idiot kid. That's chapter one. Great Scott. Chapter two is called Return to the Lost City, but it doesn't start in the Lost City. It starts with our boy Zorba. Oh my god, my favorite. We left off the last book with him crawling out of the Sarlacc pit, making a cool one-liner. He's still crawling through the desert and, you know, slugging along, and he spots a Jabba Sandcrawler. And so he offers them 100 old slot machines from his casino in exchange for a ride to the spaceport. Because Jawas, Jawas love that stuff. Yeah, oh, yeah. they take it. All right. 100 old I mean, slot machines. you have machines. to ride with Jawas. I don't know how great of drivers they are. He's but... got a big plan. He's going to hire a ride to Space Station Scardia. He's going to see Kadan and the Prophets and sell them valuable info. That's my Zorba. He's always yeah. going to make a buck. Zorba's Can't gotta... keep a good slug down. He's got a hustle going, right? Uh, meanwhile, Luke and Ken make it back to the tubular transport. Oh, the elevator? Yeah, the tubular transport. I missed that elevator. And they make it down to the Lost City of the Jedi. And it's kind of a fun reunion because they get to see HC, the homework droid, DJ-88, and of course, Zebo the Mooka. And what were the, like, homework checking droid? What were they all doing? Because if they were created specifically for checking homework and they have nothing to check, do they just go, like, crazy with existential anxiety? Or are they just, like, like checking the 
you know, table and the walls? And is he just doing little circles and X's all over everything? She's like, I have to check something. That's the prime directive. Yes. When, when he returns back, there's like tally marks all over every single building for every hour they've been gone and every homework assignment he's missed. And he's like, Ken, you failed your midterm. And he's like, um, you are literally checking like the innards of my dog right they, now. They started giving Zebo homework and he just ate it. So yeah. he's getting failing grades. They assure Luke that no one else has come down here since they left because they installed a fake tubular transport. Oh, a fake? Okay. And this fake tubular transport is great because it leads directly into a, Hell. a, a pit of lava. That, like, almost literally yeah. hell. Okay, cool. So anyone who tries to go down there is going to fall into a pit of lava. But you can only use that tubular transport once because it's going to burn up in the lava. Please. It's even better than that because it goes down a certain distance and then the floor drops out. <gasps> Are you serious? It yeah. specifies that? Yes. That is awesome and utterly macabre. Totally macabre. Ken uses the main computer to pull up those Omnidroid plans he was talking about, but he clicks on Imperial Space Stations instead he's a doofus. I hate him so much. And he got some uh, new prophecies from Kadan that were downloaded onto the computer. Oh, yeah? What are the new prophecies? When the Jedi Knight becomes a captive of Scardia, then the Jedi Prince shall betray the lost city. Oh, Ken's going to betray people. Big surprise. But Ken says, no matter what Kadan predicted, I'll never betray the lost city. Chapter 3 is called A Time for Feasting. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What? The Jedi Prince is going to betray us all. God, let's have a snack. Let's have a snack. So Zorba makes it to Space Station Scardi. He's having a delicious meal with the Dark Prophets, and he's making a mess and grossing everybody out while he's doing it. I wouldn't be He described all of his slurps and glorches and, and dribbles, and it's disgusting. I would think he was an amazing specimen. Yeah, here's, here's an excerpt of it. High Prophet Jedgar, see that Zorba's right at the long banquet table, gasped in shock as Zorba splattered his serving of zoochberry pie dumplings, staining Jedgar's sparkling robe. <laughs> ah! Zorba moaned with pleasure, reaching for another stewed Minoc bat. Delicious! Yeah, eat it, Jedgar! <laughs> yeah, he's just splitting everybody. Like, he just doesn't care. He doesn't no, care no, about, no. like, your namby-pamby little, like, silver sparkly robes. He doesn't care about, like, your prophecy. He does not care. He's just like, I want to make a buck. I just leave him moaning with pleasure as he, as he messes up Jedgar's robe. Oh, oh that tastes good. boy. So between burps, he lets Kadan know he overheard the Grand Moff's uh, plan to overthrow the prophets. Because oh. you remember, he was at the Moff ship during the Moffrance. He was. A, a captive. And here's another excerpt. In a very clumsy move, Zorba accidentally spilled some juice on the handmade carpet from Endor. Yeah, accidentally. Then he rolled his slug-like tail over the stains, pressing down with the weight of several tons. <laughs> Kadan nearly choked as Zorba ruined his favorite carpet that had taken a hundred Ewoks five years to make. <laughs> Zorba, I love you! I love Zorba so much because he's so disrespectful to literally everyone. <laughs> he's just a hustler, man. He just does what it's he wants. It's great. Like, he, he is not impressed by, like, power, nice things. No. Like, he does not care. I still love the idea that Kadan, like, paid 100 Ewoks to make carpet. And then Zorba, like, intentionally rubs juice in <laughs> yeah, Like, pats his several ton weight over it. He's like, like, oops, clumsy, clumsy. Didn't mean to do that. Whoops. <laughs> rub it in. <laughs> I love him. Yeah, Kadan tells Zorba he will find the Lost City of the Jedi and take its Jedi records, and that the Jedi Prince himself, Ken, will lead him there. And Zorba thinks this is a hilarious idea, and he has a big, oh, ho, 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 as we transition over to the next scene. So, meanwhile... Han and Leia are getting ready for their wedding. Oh my god, finally she got a copy of her birth certificate. Yes, okay. they're going to do it for real this time. They're not going to do a shotgun wedding at Hologram Fun World. They're going to do a real one. And Leia's like asking Han all these questions about the wedding. Like, where should Avril Akbar sit? Should he sit with like the Mon Calamari dignitaries? Should he sit with the Rebel High Command? Oh, let me guess. He doesn't care. Well, he's being a major poop about it. Women women always want to be planning the wedding. Guys are just like, I don't care. That's what he says. Is, I'm just not cut out to plan big social events. The biggest party I ever had, my housewarming party at my Sky House, oh, was strictly informal. It's like you're 
Sky House. There's Sky House. Let it go, Han. Let it go. You are like one of those guys that like had a championship baseball team in high school and you're still talking about it. I could have gone major league if I didn't break my arm in my senior year. And That night, Triclops sleepwalks again. Ooh. And while sleepwalking, he goes to the, the spin computer and he transmits a map of the lost city of the Jedi to the Empire with his communication tooth. To the Empire? He's sleep doing it. But thankfully, they don't know this. It's the fake map that DG-88 made that leads to the fake tubular transport. Oh, thank God they put that in there. Yep, so that's chapter three. Chapter four is called Trial of the Grand Moths. So Hissa and his moth boys get to Scardia, and they are on trial by the Dark Prophets. Because now that Zorba told them that there's a plot to kill the High Prophets, they, they get captured and brought over i didn't realize the dark prophets had like judiciary authority oh they do they have a room called the chamber of dark justice and so they're in the chamber of dark justice about to get tried for treason yeah meanwhile leia finds out they can deactivate triclops's tooth thingy with a chemical made from rare mushrooms only found on the planet arzid which is home of the arachnor spider monsters oh cool so Luke, Ken, wow. Chewie, and the droids go there. This is our setup. They always have some kind of doofy adventure. They have to fly off and do another mission from Mount Yoda nonsense. Back to the trial. All the moths are pleading guilty, except for Hissa. There's four grand moths on trial. Hissa's the main. Yeah, Hissa, don't let him break you. But the jury disagrees, finding him the guiltiest. <laughs> oh, yeah. Literally everybody else is like, I did it, I did it, I did it. And they're like, no, no, only one of you did it. No, you all did it, but he did it the most. He did it, he did it the most. <laughs> So one moth is sent to work in a rock quarry. One moth is sent to a prison on Hoth. One is sent to work at a base on Arzid. Of, uh, but Hissa, well, here's what Kadan says to him. I sentence you to die a cruel and unusual death. What? <laughs> you shall be starved and when you are mad and insane with hunger, you shall be served your last meal. It should be a meal of biscuits that have live parasites baked into them. <laughs> the parasites will begin eating you from the inside in the pit of your stomach and will work their way slowly to your outermost layer of flesh. Ah, this isn't a kid's book? And Zorba's like loving it. He's like, he's in the- Zorba's like, that's hilarious. So yeah. Wait, okay, so first of all, I like the fact that he like specifies it will be cruel and unusual. So he's literally like, I am flouting the Geneva Convention. There's no Geneva in Star Wars, baby. There's no Geneva Convention, but that's clearly what it's meant to evoke. Yeah, yeah, of course. I love the fact that that is one of the grisliest things I've ever heard, and it's in a children's book. Yeah. The only way it could be grislier is if it was like, and your last meal is going to be like your own leg. Ooh, yikes. Cut off and cook. His legs are already gone. His legs are oh yeah, that's right. By acid. Like your own, I don't know, whatever limbs you have left. He has any arms left to be like his torso. As soon as the um, gavel comes down some guys rush in and tell him that triclops has sent them a map to the lost city of the jedi and kadan's like score we did it nice we did it boys we did it, boys finally everything's coming up kadan chapter five is called the web of disaster so our heroes make it to arzid that spider planet ken runs off like a dumbass and gets caught in an arachnor web of course he does i would not expect anything less from the jedi prince luke jumps down to rescue him and fight giant spiders with his lightsaber and he does pretty well but he gets caught also and then imperial shuttle shows up and they're like oh wait there's an imperial base like a mile away from here. Oh, <laughs> and they get captured by stormtroopers, naturally. And they're high-fiving each other, like, oh, cool, big score, guys. I didn't expect the Jedi Prince to come here. This is awesome. So they call up Kadan, and Don is, uh, shows up in his ship, the Scardia Voyager. And Luke and Ken are taken away, not having completed their mission. So Arzid is another pointless planet. Right- <laughs> like they didn't do anything. Yep. They just wanted to have a planet with giant spider monsters. Although, did they actually fight the giant spider monsters? They, yeah, Luke fought with a lightsaber. That's but- what. That's the only reason, then. So it's, it's just like the Beatles on Duro. It's just like the flippin' 
vacation planet is just another worthless planet they go to for like half a chapter and then leave. Here's what it almost certainly is. Yeah. The editors of these books were like, okay, these are for like boys aged like third grade to sixth grade. And so you have to have like a battle in every single book. Mm-hmm. They have to fight some kind of I monster. I think you're right. That is almost certainly what it was. Now, something is interesting here though. They don't have any ecological disasters in this book. Really? But that's been like the whole running theme. I know. I thought for sure that'd be the biggest one of all time. You know but what? Ken is an ecological disaster. I agree. I think maybe that's maybe the, the Jedi Prince himself is the ecological disaster in like, the finale. It just his freaking being alive makes flowers wilt. No, no braids in this book. No killing the whales in this book. No, Ken is enough pollution. Ken is a Ken is he's a. The, he's the physical embodiment of pollution. He's such a disease. He's such a disease. So on board, Kadan offers Ken and Luke some tea and biscuits. Oh, don't eat them. They're gonna embarrass. Ken, don't do it. Don't do it. It's either going to be poisoned or it's going to have that ava bush spice made you like that truth serum stuff you got you took on cloud city remember that you dummy you took all those biscuits but ken eats them anyway oh my god because he's like i'm really hungry i'm sorry i couldn't help it literally happened to him once before like not only does he have luke's word for it it literally happened to him once before and he eats them anyway lucky for dum dum ken they're normal tea and biscuits kadan's like i would not try to poison you silly boy yes you would kadan dumb dumb kid oh my god he is the dumbest child alive Pattern recognition, you idiot. Five-year-olds can do it. Yeah. Ken tells Kadan he thinks his dad was Obi-Wan. He's like, I'm a powerful Jedi. My dad was Obi-Wan. But Kadan just laughs at him. Says, we'll find out for sure when you take me to the Lost City of the Jedi. So they fly to Yavin 4 with their map to the Lost City of the Jedi. Ken and Luke on board his ship. And he's a little bit suspicious that this map they got, they got it kind of easy. So he thinks this might not be real. And so his idea is that He'll send someone to go down and check it out first. And go down the tubage first. And oh so, my god, send Ken. Please send Ken. No, he sends Hissa. Oh, no! To scope it out. And so... somebody has no arms, no legs! He's in the floating hover chair, he's got hover arms. Although, I have to say, this will be a better death than being eaten from the inside out by parasites. So, sure enough, he goes to the fake tubular transport, he goes down about halfway, the floor drops out, he falls in lava and dies. R.I.P. for real this time, Hissa. Rip Hissa! Hissa, my boy! He's gotten so messed up, this book. But, like, he fell into it, and he's probably just like, sure, you know, sure. He's like, this might as well I should have expected this! Kadan's like, yep, I knew it. Uh, I'm glad I bet on the right horse. Kadan shows Ken that he actually has the other half of his silver birthstone necklace. (gasps) Oh my god, does that mean like like friendship necklaces? Yeah, they they complete each other. Yeah, you and I are actually best friends. It turns out we're besties. (laughs) Uh, He tells Ken that he knows the truth of Ken's parentage and he will tell him as soon as he gets down to the Lost City of the Jedi. Oh my god. Remember, Ken said no matter what Kadan predicted... He would, not he would never him. betray the Lost City. Now, this was always sunny Philadelphia. The next scene would be the title card that says Ken betrays the Lost City of the Jedi. I mean, because... that's exactly what popped in my yeah. head. <laughs> <laughs> because chapter six is Ken's destiny as he betrays <laughs> the Lost City. <laughs> he leaves Kadan. Just... You know something my dad is? Cool. Yeah. <laughs> He sucks! So he leads Kadan, Jedgar, and some stormtroopers down to the real tubular transport while Luke is still kept on board the ship. In the Lost City, they get down there and Kadan's like, oh, this is amazing, I love it! And then he gets bitten by Zebo. Zebo, Oh, Zebo's man. still there and he's angry, he doesn't trust this guy, so Kadan <laughs> kicks him. He's pretty hungry. And has the stormtroopers stun him. <gasps> what? This little pug thing? And Ken's like, I shouldn't have trusted him. Yeah, no go- Wow, what would He was mean first? to my, my Mooka. <laughs> He also, like, literally dropped a dude into lava. Like, yeah. What was your cue that he was a bad guy? Yep. 
And so they go to the main computer. DJ88 is there and he's pissed that can let anybody down here, especially the Empire. First you don't do your homework. Now you betray the Rebellion. Ken, Ken like sucks, right? So they pull up the main computer and they start hacking the planet, getting all the Rebel and Jedi info they ever wanted, like maps of bases, secret Jedi prophecies. All every, of Ken's like third grade essays all of his third grade, book reports. All, this, all about Yavin's moons, all the essays he had to write. <laughs> this kid sucks. And finally, after all that, Kadan says that he will reveal Ken's parentage to him. Oh. By showing him some files on the computer. Oh. So it turns out that Ken's not named after Kenobi. He's named after his mother, a Jedi princess named Kenalinda. Okay. She was captured <gasps> by the Empire and forced to work as a nurse in an insane asylum. Oh. In o- oh. Carrying over one very dangerous patient. Triclops. <gasps> Triclops! Oh my god, it's Triclops Ken's dad! Yes. Oh my god! Oh my god, all this time, he was with his daddy. He didn't even know he was with his papa. And Ken's really put out by this, because that means that the emperor was his granddad. Okay, yeah. But in fairness, his dad, Triclops, is more useful, 80% insane, than Ken has ever been sane. Yeah, yeah Ken, Ken doesn't even have a third eye. Oh my God. So Ken's like super bummed. So DJ88 explains that his mother was able to escape with the help of Triclops from the asylum and send him to live in the lost city to keep him safe from the Empire as a baby. And Kadan gets annoyed at this talkie droid and orders him shut down. So DJ88 is dead too now. So when they boot him back up, he's not going to remember anything? Nope. He's not going to put that. That means he's not going to remember that he has to give Ken homework. Nope. So like, yes! <laughs> Score! <laughs> Another one for Ken. They just killed the teacher. Yeah! Meanwhile, Luke busts out of his captivity and is rescued as rebel forces destroy Kadan's spaceship. He jumps down a ventilation shaft to go rescue Ken. Kadan orders that Ken, the new heir to the Empire, be taken back to Scardia with, along with their new Jedi computer bank. So the stormtroopers are carrying it out. But on the way out, Luke is in the way. He says, hey, you're not going anywhere. He kind of jumps in front of him in a cool way. And he fights some stormtroopers while Ken grabs the knocked out Zebo and, and books it to the tubular transport. With Luke behind him. They get in the tubular transport, and in pursuit, some dumbass stormtrooper shoots the Jedi computer in accident. Because, <laughs> of course, he can't actually shoot what he's aiming at. And he goes, no! Like, for real, there's actually like a long no. Like, no! My computer! Chapter 7, they head up to the surface in the tubular transport, and while they're going up, Ken confides to Luke that Triclops is my dad. And Luke says, eh, no big. My dad was Darth Vader. I'm okay. It's all good. Yeah, don't worry about you know, it. Evil dad. Sometimes you just have an evil dad. Sometimes your dad's just evil. Yeah, that's what he says. Whatever. Like, you know, you don't got to be defined by your parents. Be whoever you want, bud. Cool. Oh, it's a good lesson. Yeah. But then the transport stops. Because down in the Lost City, they're shutting everything down. The power is getting cut. Ken's panicking. He's like freaking out. He's like, we're out of air. All right, we'll get to the surface. Blah, blah, blah. And Luke's just like, kid, calm down. Shut the hell up. Shut the hell up. <laughs> Focus your mind with me. And they begin to meditate. And with the force. Together, they link up their minds and they raise the elevator with the force up to the oh top world. God. How gross would it be to link minds with Ken? It's so bad. How gross would it be to link minds with like a 10 year old boy? Ugh. It's like, God, all this kid thinks about is like Minecraft and maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so at the top, they destroy the transport mechanism of the tubular transport. So now Kadan and his boys are trapped forever in the lost city of the Jedi. Oh, God. Again, great kids' book, guys. So they're all just going to starve to death. Yep. <laughs> I mean, you know, in They're going to be given homework by the homework checking as droid. They're starving to death. As they starve to death and eat like, each other. It's time to study for your final exam. They're like, please, please, I'm so hungry. And it's like eating his friend's leg yeah. or whatever. He's like, I can't study anymore. So they get back to base. Ken, he wants to talk to his dad. But when he gets there, Triclops is gone. 
Oh, he's left. He found out Ken was his kid. He's like, I'm getting the hell out of here. <laughs> I'm getting out of here. Oh my god. So again, uh, Triclops, played by Christopher Lloyd, yes. leaves, leaves him a note behind. He says, Dear Ken, I've missed you ever since you were taken from me and sent to live with the droids in the lost city of the Jedi. I've known since the day you and Luke rescued me back on Duro that you are my son. I knew by the birth crystal you wore. And I know what shock it must have been for you to realize your grandfather was Emperor Palpatine. All the things I must do in the days ahead will surely shock you just as much. All I can say is, do not believe all the terrible things you will hear about me. Trust in me. And if the day comes when you can no longer have faith in me, then trust in the Force, as your Jedi mother, Kenalinda, did. Perhaps then we will discover there is goodness in my heart after all. Until we meet again, your loving father, Triclops. P.S. When he gets up to 88 miles an hour, you're going to ask me some serious... I wanted I to call you Marty, but your mom named you Ken. I do, I do appreciate how you tried to do the whole thing in a Christopher Lloyd voice. Kind of hard. We cut forward a little bit to Han and Leia's wedding. They're getting ready for it. And like, Finally. she's about to walk down the aisle. They're like not helping at all. I mean, like in fairness, it is their wedding, but they are really not helping. It's a few anything. days ahead here, yeah. Okay. So Chewie is, is Han's best man, which I thought was very cute. Aww. R2-D2 and C-3PO share the title of best droid, which I did not know was a Star Wars best wedding dro- custom. Cool. We should have had a best droid at our wedding. Gonk should have been up there as Gonk a best should have been up there. And Luke gives to give his sister away, you know, as, as family. Sure, family sure, sure. Before the ceremony, walking on the aisle, Leia has a force vision of the future. <gasps> Ooh. It's a happy vision, though. Oh, that's good. It's of her and Han living together in wedded bliss uh, in Han's sky house. My God, does she really want to go to the sky well, house? Well, you know, it's, it's scenic and nice. It's basically like his man cave. But the most important thing is that they're taking care of their new twin babies. <gasps> and you know we talked about the twin solo kids. We did! The Forgotten Solo Kids. Jason and Jaina. They make yeah. a cameo at the end of this book. And that's the end. The Jedi Prince Saga is complete. Whoa. So everything's fine. Everything's fine. Oh my God. But does Ken ever meet with his dad? Now here's the deal. Ken is never in anything else besides the Jedi Prince series. <laughs> no other extended universe book or comic or game ever uses Ken or Chip or Zebo or Baji or Kate the House droids or any other dumb tertiary characters. Oh my God. Introduce. I'm really glad. I was going to ask about Baji. What about um, Triclops? Is it- Triclops and Zorba show up in other things. At least they're So meant- Triclops apparently just like forgot about and or didn't care about his son. I, I guess. Like, Maybe we'll meet again someday. No. Nope. They're mentioned by name. They're, you know, and Zorba has some stuff. Uh, Kadan actually got a whole backstory in a really? book. Really? Uh, explaining how he's actually an imposter of a dead Jedi called Kadan. And his real name is Raja Ubuki. Were they trying to give him like a Rasta name or something? I don't know. Raja Ubuki. But anyway, he, he killed the real Kadan and took his identity. I thought it was kind of interesting. But uh that's the end. Oh my god. Now, it wouldn't be a Jedi Prince book without a few key sound effects. Okay, I'm ready. I'm, re- I'm going to really guess. There weren't so many in this one, actually. I was kind of surprised. I feel like they really dialed it back from the first one. The first one, they were just like doors. mental over door sound effects. Doors. And then it's gotten less and less. How about... Wish! That is... Hopefully Luke backhanding Ken across the room. It is, but it's actually the tubular transport. Oh, it's a tubular transport. Okay. Now, this one you might know, because yeah. we mentioned it before. Kish! That's a door. No, it's it's a Mooka. Remember? Oh, like Ken's. I wish I had a normal cat that meowed instead oh, of all that right. all that Mooka kissing you do. That's kiss, right. Kiss, 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 yeah. kiss. Hiss. Yeah, that's no, Hissa. That is an Arachnor falling into lava. That's an Arachnor spider monster. Oh, okay, but it should have been Hissa falling into lava. It should have been. He- his name was Hissa, and he did not hiss once. No, he didn't. That's bullcrap. That's not enough dedication to his theme. Only in your fan fictions. In my fan fiction, Hissa constantly hisses. So that is our that's our series. I mean. Again, uh, I don't know why they didn't adapt the series for the new series of movies. Uh, I think that would Pretty have been, shocking. been dynamite. I mean, we, we already have a great cast set up. We got Haley Joel Osment as Ken. We got Ray Fiennes as Trioculus. We got... John Goodman can be Baji. John Goodman is Baji. 
We were going to have Paul Giamatti as his son. That's right. It was Paul Giamatti. <laughs> Who'd play Kadan, the, the dwarf prophet? Do you want to go with like a little person? Do you want to go with like Warwick Davis, give another part? Or do you maybe want Peter Dinklage? Or do you want to make it be like Gary Oldman in Tiptoes? And it's no, like if he's supposed person? to be a little person, then yeah. we should actually use a little person actor. I mean, if we were going to use a, a regular actor, I was thinking just Brian Cranston. But yeah. He, but he never stands up. Oh, that'd be really good. He's on his knees the whole time, like in those yeah. Dorf Goes Golfing videos when we were kids. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. And they just like put a pair of rubber gloves on his elbows. Uh-huh. So it looks like he's like really short arms. Oh, I like that idea a lot. That's very good. He yeah, pitches so, his, you know, he pitches his voice up. So if Peter Dinklage can't do it, then Brian Cranston, Brian Cranston on his yes. knees. <laughs> yeah. All right. They're saying in Hollywood, when you can't get Dinklage, you get Cranston. Did we say John Goodman was going to be Zorba? Did we, was that one? John Goodman was going to, wait, no, we didn't say that. We didn't say that, did we? We yeah. didn't say that. That would have been mean because he's a big dude. Well, Zorba's a big dude. Zorba's a big dude, but I don't want to just like pick a big dude to play a big dude. Because the voice of Zorba then. Somebody who can actually speak Hatice. Somebody who can actually speak Hatice. Who do you think can speak Hatice? Who's like into some deep nerd stuff? Daniel Day Lewis. Daniel Day Lewis. Well, he he goes. He does like he's like method acting. So he's literally gonna be like throwing juice on the floor and like rubbing it in. He's gonna put on five hundred. Oh, sorry, clumsy me. Five hundred. Put on five hundred pounds. He'll put on five hundred pounds. Slither. And- just, just like he'll, like tape his legs together so he has to <laughs> slither everywhere. Yep. He's gonna like be eating really really messily. Well, I'm a slug man. I think you will agree. He's gonna be founding a for profit prison. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Daniel Lewis way. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed the series. Now I'm finally free from this prison. I, I can go on to do other series of things. And I will. And I will. Because I'm free. And you're all free listeners. You don't have to listen to any more of Ken's adventures. It's so good for you. But yeah. yeah. Thanks uh, Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you for listening. Thank you to everybody who has joined us on Facebook so far. Yeah. We got a bunch of hobwalks on there. A bunch of hobwalks and a bunch of uh, ebits. Yeah, we do. So... Please continue doing that. Check us out on Twitter. It's the same as the Facebook. What's Lightsaber's Precious? It's not as updated as much as the Facebook, but it's on there. We have a website, yeah. as we mentioned last time. It is whatslightsabersprecious.com. It is bare bones, but it works right now. We're going to like try and jazz it up with some visuals later on. I haven't done it yet. Been a busy week. You can also email us at whatslightsabersprecious at gmail.com. Yep. We are on SoundCloud, iTunes, and now we're on Stitcher. We are on Stitcher. That I didn't actually know. I put us on Stitcher this past week. Download the Stitcher radio app. If you want to listen to it on there, no matter what you're listening to it on, if you like what you hear, rate us up so other people can hear it too. Tell your friends. Say, hey, you like a Star Wars? You like a Hobbit? Listen to this. Speaking of telling friends, I'm telling all of you listeners, who I consider my friends, that I am going to be guest starring on the next episode of the podcast Vertiguys. Ooh, cool. Yeah, so that's friend of the show, Eric's podcast that he does with his brother, and it's all about the famous Vertigo comics, so Sandman, Hellblazer, and Preacher. What are you going to read on there? Um, I am going to be reading the... Sandman arc, A Game of You, which is arguably one of the best arcs in Sandman. It's one of my faves. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, I specifically picked it. So listen for me on that show. I'll be guesting on RPG Buddies, our Twitch Buddies channel, where we play Star Wars. and play it this past week, but hopefully this Monday we'll be playing again. Every Monday. Tune in, and you can find the old episodes on there, too. Yeah. All right, that's all from us. We will see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.